So, um, thank you. So my PowerPoint, the one I'm about to present, was finished at 5.40, you see me? So, that means that not the note wasn't finished at 5.40, but the PowerPoint. That means my wife hasn't edited it and pointed out all the typos and the faults. So if you see something spelled wrong, you understand, right? Yes, and be understanding too. <laughs> All right. So I've titled this How to Face a Problem or Problems or How to Face Life's Problem. So fundamentally, I'm going to be a little bit prescriptive as I discuss this. And I trust that the Lord will bless us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for grace and guidance. I ask that you will guide my words. That it will bring glory to you and that it will be a blessing to all of us, including me. And I just pray that you will direct my steps and cause everyone that has come out this evening to be blessed and to profit from it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are not, there are not many PowerPoints, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a interesting. So let me ask a question. Suppose um, you were told that there's a problem of some sort. Let's say you lost your job. You are not expecting it, and suddenly you lose your job. What will you do about it? And uh, you have mortgage to pay, and the banks are not merciful. They want their money. You have food to put on the table, and you have all these other needs that need to be met. So what do you do about it? And so problems are different levels. There are individual problems, there are family problems, there are church problems, and there are national problems, and so forth. So but I'm going to be directing, so the message will be to individuals and also to church, to people of God in general, you know, how to face challenges and problems. I like to read a familiar passage. I don't know whether it's familiar, I hope it is. And I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 30. I think it's up there, but I don't know if it's big enough to be seen. Oh, I already have answers before the message. Typically, I have answers before so that if you fall asleep in the middle of the message, you can take this home. That's, that's the reason why I do this, because so there are four steps I believe we need to have. The first one is courage to face the problem. The second one is wisdom to understand or to know what to do. And the third step is strength to do what you can do. And the last one, very important step, is to Faith to trust God to do what you cannot do. 
and I fail. So let's uh, say that again. Courage to face the problem. Wisdom to understand and to know what to do. So you need wisdom. Strength to do what you can do. And faith to trust God to do what you cannot do. All right, it's very small, so I'm not sure you can see. I'll try to read this the passage because I think God's word should be read, you know, and God's word itself is food, is life, and it can minister to us even when the preacher is, uh, doesn't have much to say. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captives the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. So that's where David used to live or was living at that time. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinon of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, of Carmel, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughter. But David found strength in the Lord. Then David said to Abithar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the effort. Abithar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to the Bezor Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of praise figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or water or drank any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kerathite, some territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. I will take you down to them. He led David down, and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, 
and rebelling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode up on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and who were left behind at the Bezor Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David replied, no, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding parties that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share and like David made this a statue and ordinance for Israel from that day to this. When David reached Ziklag, he sent some of the plunders to the elders of Judah who were his friends, saying, here is a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. David sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatiah. To those in Ara, I can't pronounce his name well, Shibmoth, Estremal, and Raqqa. To those in the towns of the, that name, and the Canaanites. To those in Homer, Boashan, Atak, and Hebron, and to those in all the other places where he and his men had roamed. So we come to a passage where David faced a problem. And I'm hoping we can learn something from this passage. So he faced a problem that his wife and children and the wife and children of his uh, compatriots were taken by the Amalekites, remember them? Those were the men that when Samuel sent Paul, he said he should kill them and destroy them completely. Sorry, Saul, right? Saul, not Paul, Saul. But Saul said he was sparing the best you know, to make sacrifice for God. And Samuel was very upset and said to obey is better than sacrifice. So, so David went to help the Philistines fight against Judah and left his family at home because he was running away from Saul. And now the Philistines sent him back home saying, we don't trust you because he might turn against us. And when he came back home, he discovered that the Amalekites had taken his wife, his children, they had burned everything. 
and there was nothing left. So we come to verse 6 that says, David was greatly distressed because the men that he traveled with were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. I can imagine they used to be, they were followers of David. David was their leader and they were following him. And now the first thing they did, they came home, they didn't find their wife, they didn't find their children, they found everything burned, and then they turned on David and said, it's all your fault. You are responsible for this. Now we don't have our wives, we don't have our children, and uh, if, if, if you hadn't brought us to this land, this would not have happened. And so David was literally, <laughs> He was going through the same pain and the same difficulty. He was all alone. Because his right hand men, the people he relied on, the people he trusted, the people he worked with and worked for, were all saying, it's all your fault. You have to be blamed. We should stone you and we should kill you. So David faces a problem. Because horizontally as he looks around, there is no one on his side. Even though he was alone, he was never alone. He had to find courage to look up. He looked up to the Lord. We read this morning, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help. So, no one to encourage him, no one to strengthen him, no one to help him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. So, whenever we face any problem of any magnitude, the first thing we need to do is to find the courage to face the problem. And it usually comes not by looking around, not by looking inward, but by looking up. It doesn't matter what the problem is, big or small, the ones you can handle and the ones you can't. So the way I've structured this message is that for every step, I take David's trouble and then I give a promise from scripture that can help us as we face life journey. And so this is the promise for this one. Come on. Isaiah 41 verse 10. This is something you should have when you face trouble. Just remember God's word, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So regardless whether you are, whether it's a big problem or a small problem, whether it's a people's problem, church problem, or national problem, or whatever it is, this promise holds for the believer. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So the first step when we first problem is to find the courage to face the problem. And the courage is found by looking to the Lord. Step number two. Wisdom to understand 
and to know what to do. So everyone was saying, well, we want to tell you, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I suspect that he went on to probably cry to the Lord on a personal basis, talking to the Lord, but then he probably looked around and said, hmm, they invaded this place. They could have killed my wife and children. They could have destroyed the entire place. I have no control over this. But God allowed them to not do all of those, only to burn down the property. So he called the priest. So let's just read this. Then David said to the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the effort. Abithar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David inquired of the Lord. He asked the Lord for wisdom. And we too should ask God for wisdom whenever we face any problem or any situation. We should ask God for wisdom. It can come through prayer, it can come through reading God's word, it can come through other Christians. So we should ask for wisdom whenever we face a problem. Wisdom to understand the problem and to know what to do. So that's step number two. There is a passage for this, you know. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Courage to face the problem is the first step. Step number two, wisdom to understand and to know what to do. And wisdom comes from God. That's what David did. He asked God, what can I do or what should I do? So we can ask God for wisdom when we face problems. That's the second step. So he asked God and God said, yes, pursue the raiding party. You will overtake them. You will certainly succeed. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because he has no clue about the party that he's going to pursue. He has no clue about the enemy. The only thing he has to go on is God's promise to him. That's all he has to go on. God has spoken. And that's the only thing that probably is giving him courage to move on to pursue. Point number three. I have only four points, remember? And uh, David said, make it a devotional. So it will be. Step number three. Strength to do what you can do. So once David had asked God what to do, and God said pursue, so David and the 600 men with him came to this Bezor Valley 
where some stayed behind. Two hundred of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other four hundred continued the pursuit. Strength to pursue the enemy. You know, the only thing David had to go on was the fact that God had promised him success. That's all he had. He wasn't even sure whether his wife and his children were still alive or what had happened. But he had a promise and that's what he went on. And then he just moved on with 600 men who had earlier on wanted to kill him. And 200 of them were too tired to continue. But 400 of them went on. Now, the final point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a scripture passage that goes with every step. This passage is always relevant. When you are tired mentally, when you are tired physically, when you feel exhausted, Philippians 4 verse 13, forgot to put the 4 and 13, that's where the editorial work comes in, right? Did it happen? It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a promise that is always true, regardless of circumstance, regardless of how I feel. God will give you strength to be able to face your challenges and your promise, or your, your situation. And then the final point that I want to make tonight, step number four. Faith to trust that God, to trust God to do what you cannot do. So they ran, they kept going, you know, and then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of praise figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, a slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kerethites, some 30 belonging to Judah, and Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? The Lord has the total picture of all events. We only see little pieces. In God's providence, the slave became sick at the right time, at the right place, and his master abandoned him. When God initially told David to pursue that he will, you know, get results, he didn't know how it was going to happen. But now there's a slave who was sick, and apparently must have been an important, a slave of, a, of an important master because he knew the details, if you keep reading, of where they were and all that happened, and he was abandoned. 
So, this slave was fed, he revived, and of course, he led David down the path in which he conquered the enemy and plundered the enemy. What I'm trying to say is that there has to be faith to trust God to do what we cannot do. That's the way the believer lives. Courage to face the problem, that's the first point. Wisdom to know what to do. Strength to do what we can do. And faith to trust God regarding what we cannot do. We were not designed to live alone. We were designed to live with the help of God. And this kind of mindset is easy for people that have, um, how do I put it, that always have needs surrounding them. But it's a lot more difficult when you can have all your needs met on your own. It's very easy to think, Oh, I can solve this, I can solve this, I can solve this. Yes, sometimes you can, but sometimes there are problems that you cannot solve. And so you must ask God for faith to trust him to do what you cannot do. And there are many situations or circumstances in life where we need to face the problem courageously. Ask God for wisdom on what to do. Strength to do what you can do, and then faith to trust God. With that, you can move on, because God is in control and is in charge of the situation. But, you know, we live in a society, uh, I'll say, in a certain way, we believe we can solve all problems. And sometimes we find ourselves stuck, and then we don't know what to do, and then we become fearful. I'm praying that in the midst of fear, we'll find courage in the Lord, we'll ask God for wisdom, and we'll do what we can do, and we trust God with the others. We must have a scriptural passage for this, I believe. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. All right. Four points or four steps. Courage to face the problem. I've repeated it over and over again. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Wisdom to understand and know what to do. David inquire of the Lord. Strength to do what you can do. David obeyed the Lord's instruction. Said, Go, and David did. Faith to trust God to do what you cannot do. David trusted God to lead him in the path of victory. Because he had made the promise, he knew that him that had promised was faithful. Finally, 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Casting all your cares upon the Lord. 
cares for you. Do you notice that word? All. The small one, the big one, all of them. The Lord cares. And He will grant us grace in our challenges that we will face them with victory. We are God's children and He cares for us. So, let me repeat myself the last few points that I made. Courage to face a problem. Wisdom to know what to do. You ask God for that. Strength to do what you can do. And faith to trust God to do what you cannot do. I wanted it to be simple. And I didn't want you to forget. Because as we step out tomorrow, there will be a problem. For example, the house is closing down and you can't have your class. Courage to face the problem. Wisdom to know what to do. Strength to do what you can do. And faith to trust God to do what you cannot do. May the Lord grant us the grace that we will continuously look up to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's supposed to give us guidance and direction. And so it is designed to help us. In life, as believers, we are not meant to live alone. You are our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, our all in all. Help us to trust you with our life, our circumstance, and help us to look to you in all of life's situations. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.